so much. Well, here we are in the second part of our series. You know the name of the series, I hope, by now, which is Fully Alive. Using that quote from the great saint of the second century and Saint Irenaeus, who said, the glory of God is a human being who is fully alive. Last week, we talked about being fully alive with purpose, and this week, we talk about being fully alive with prayer. Who here remembers playing with Play-Doh? Anybody? I love Play-Doh. It's so easy, right? You get all the different colors, and it comes there simply made, and you're ready to take it out and do whatever it is that you want to do with it, right? Children get Play-Doh out, and they're experts at making blobs and sometimes snakes. You've probably done the same. Why, I remember in Mission Friends as a kid, every week we made Play-Doh. I can't remember the recipe, but it's pretty easy. We still kind of like Play-Doh, don't we? It's easy to mash out, and we even can get Play-Doh toys. These Play-Doh toys are predetermined shapes and sizes that we can mash into the dough and lo and behold if we don't have a circle just like we drew it up then you can do an oval or a triangle you can even get play-doh scissors the thing about play-doh is that it ultimately conforms to our will and that's kind of how some of us see prayer you see we think that prayer is like play-doh It's not so much thy will be done as much as it is my will be done. We use it as a moment to try to conform God to our wills and our desires, whether we see him as a sky wizard or a long-bearded man up in the heavenly throne. We think that he's the equivalent of Santa Claus. Do it our way, we say, God. Well, when we get done with this style of prayer, we wonder why it matters. For while it is functional, it's not transformational. So perhaps, folks, for a moment at least, we can leave behind the notion of Plato prayers, and we can see it in another light entirely. What if instead we saw prayer like pottery. Not that we are making it, but that it is making us. We put ourselves into the potter's hands, who is none other than God above. And we say, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Mold me and make me master today. I believe that it's in these moments that we can have transformational prayer where our lives and very existence is molded around to the will of God above. And when we embrace prayer in that way, get ready. You are going to be entering into a lifetime of adventure. You are going to feel fully alive, and prayer will no longer be some tired, boring practice, but it will be instead a staple of your everyday life that you want more and more of. This, I believe, is at the nexus point for the scripture that Rebecca read. 
You see, in this moment, a moment which was to launch the greatest missionary movement of the entire world's history, there were two people praying. People that were praying for Plato prayers? No. People that were praying pottery prayers in which they were putting themselves in the master's hands and saying, mold me and make me, master, I pray. And it was at this moment, while two people were praying such prayers, that a power from heaven was unleashed. Paul, who had been blinded on the road to Damascus, spent three days with scales over his eyes, For three days, he saw nothing but the last image that was burned in his brain, an image of the resurrected Messiah, Jesus Christ, who cried out to Paul, 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 why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Paul cried out. And the voice responded, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. That image in Paul's brain. He has to be led to Damascus, and there he stays, doing nothing more but fasting and praying, wondering how in the world he will ever get out of this darkness, but praying nonetheless that God himself would liberate him. Then at the same moment, there was one named Ananias, someone who I believe in this scripture doesn't get his due. For Ananias is praying too. God speaks to him in a vision. And he says, Ananias, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. There you will see Paul, a man who is blinded, who knows that you are the one who will be coming and offering his liberation. And you will know Paul as such. He will be a man who is praying. Now, Paul, someone who is a Pharisee Jew, was no stranger to prayer. Jews pray three specified times a day. And Ananias, a follower of Jesus, but presumably one who was just a Jew, also knew prayer. So it's no surprise that they were praying at the same time. But what's fascinating here is how they prayed. For instead of having the Plato prayers of perhaps trying to get God to conform to their wills and desires, they instead had pottery prayers in which they said, God, I surrender to your will. This, in fact, is the international sign of surrender. Hands up. It means I have no power of my own. You're in control, but moreover, it indicates in the one who was lifting the prayer a disposition of heart that says, I know exactly what needs to be transformed. And what needs to be transformed, my friends, is our hearts so that we can go about and do the greater will of Jesus Christ. So with prayers of surrender being lifted up at the same time by two different people, we see transformation happen in their lives. For Paul, a Pharisee who hated Christians, is now relieved of that hatred. For Ananias, a man who feared Paul, he is feared, he is free from the fear that he once suffered. That is the power of transformational prayer. When we offer our surrender, 
God is soon to free us from something. So Ananias goes to the house that he's instructed to visit on Straight Street. He, in fact, finds Paul praying, and he tells him, Brother Paul, I am here to baptize you. After Paul is baptized, it says that scales fell off of his eyes. He could see again, which quite literally means a physical sight, but moreover, it means that he sees the world in a different way. Maybe because he now sees his relationship with God, not about being conforming God to his will, but more so being transformed to God's will. Paul leaves that place after having received baptism and goes into the courts of Damascus and preaches instantly that Jesus Christ is Lord. But that lifestyle of surrender does not stop there. Paul lived a lifetime of surrender. He taught it. In Romans 12, 2, he writes, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. He taught it and he practiced it. Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And last but not least, he lived it. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he writes, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Perhaps that last scripture is the one that is most important, indicating that Paul lived a life of prayerful surrender. For in that scripture of 2 Corinthians, he says that there was a thorn in his side. He suffered from some physical ailment that caused him great pain and duress. And in prayer, he prayed, God, please remove this thorn from my side. I want to be well again. Of course, Paul, like all of us, wanted that answer to be, yes, of course, I'll take care of that right away. But instead, what Paul hears is no. The greater learning of this situation, Paul, the transformation that I want to take place is that you learn my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made manifest in your weakness. You see, ultimately, when we make the transition from Plato prayers to pottery prayers, we are willing to receive that the answer oftentimes is no. But God's no is a yes to being fully alive. There's some greater mystery that he wants us to embrace and receive. So my friends, as we enter into prayer as it was meant to be said, we are willing to understand that our lives of surrender means God's no as much as it means God's yes. Paul, of course, is doing nothing more than replicating the prayer from the original source of one who taught us to pray. It was Jesus on a mountaintop, he embodying the spirit of Moses coming to say, I am the new teacher, I give you the new law. But when the disciples and those gathered were befuddled and asked them, Jesus, how then do we pray? 
He said this in Matthew 6, verse 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That would be wonderful if it was just left in poetry, but in fact, it turns to prose for Jesus himself on the night that he was betrayed and handed over to the authorities to be crucified, says to God, I don't want to endure this. I don't want to be in pain. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to endure torture. But in Luke 22, verse 42, he says, Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me, but yet not my will, but yours be done. Surrender, surrender, leading to transformation for the crucifixion, which was horrible and painful and shameful, led to resurrection. So how much more, friends, will our moments of prayerful surrender lead to our transformation as well? As we say, even when I don't want it, if it's what your will for my life is, not my will, but yours be done. I tell you, when we gather around the idea of prayers of surrender for the sake of desiring true transformation, we will then experience true prayers of praise. And they won't be centered around, yes, I got my way. It will be centered around glory to God. He was praised. He was seen. The kingdom is better for this. For in these moments of prayerful surrender as we are transformed and become fully alive, God hears our prayers, hears our requests, and then says as much in the following, hmm, that's interesting. I know just the person for the job. I'll get right on it. And looks at you directly with a wink and a smile and says, won't you come along and help? You see, in our prayers of transformation and surrender, when we are being transformed into God's will, molded and made as he wants us to be, he's inviting us in to be answers to our own prayers, parts that are working in concert with him for his greater glory of God. In other words, things change because we do. Things happen because we move Others receive because we give. Don't you see? Prayers of surrender ultimately are God's way to invite us in to the great play of redemption in which we find our ability to contribute to something greater than ourselves. We become fully alive, no longer bottled up in little neat jars. We are being transformed into something far greater than our imagination ever believed possible. And yet so many today want to remain with Plato prayers, want to remain with cookie cutter answers. My friends, that runs contrary to God's desire for you to be fully alive he wants you to offer those hands of surrender. And as we surely as we do, saying, I have nothing to offer, I have only that which I can give to you as my life, God says, I'll take it. I'll use it. I'll transform it and I'll include it in my will. And as surely as these hands were once in surrender, then they become nothing more than hands 
of praise to the heavens, which will say, thank you, God. Thank you for having used me. Broken as I am, thank you. As mad as I mess things up, thank you. You used me. You molded me. You made me. You made me something more than I ever dreamt possible before. I feel fully alive. 1 John 5.14 says the following. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him for. My friends, today I want you to know that you will always know what, what, what God wants in your prayers when you offer a prayer of surrender. That as surely as he brought a man named Paul and Ananias together to launch the greatest missionary movement of the world that he will bring you alongside others that something will bubble up and burst forward called the kingdom of God which no one has dreamt possible before this my friends is your opportunity this my friends is for you to offer hands and prayers of surrender so that they can become true prayers of thanksgiving and praise for all that God has done for us this, my friend, is your opportunity to become fully alive. If that is on your heart and mind today, if you want to embrace the message of God and become fully alive, I want you to respond in one of several ways. First and foremost, if you have not asked Christ Jesus to become your personal Lord and Savior, you can do so today. That is how this whole thing gets going Second, if you are one who needs to say, I need help in embracing the prayers of surrender, come forward. Let me pray with you. It would be my joy. And last but not least, if it is your joy to enjoy and enjoy this church, which is about prayerful consideration of all things and prayers of surrender, today is your invitation to come forward and make it official. We invite you all now to stand as we sing our hymn of invitation. Its title is Shine, Jesus, Shine, hymn number 156. Will you stand and sing as you respond? <laughs> 